Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. We're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Looking at verses 1 to 12, Paul the Apostle is the author of this book, and he's writing to a church really to encourage them in their walk. But he also realizes he wants to encourage them in the area of holiness and sanctification. And so he opens up chapter 4 with a call to please God. A call to please God, right? We see that in verse 1 and 2. The word call means to, to be selected for a duty, a call to order, or a call to duty, it reminds me of Joseph in the, not the New Testament, but the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. You might know him. Joseph was the son of Jacob. Joseph had gone through some hard times. They had family problems, and his brother sold him into slavery. He would end up in a house of Potiphar in Egypt. And it was here that he was serving God. It was here like he was under Potiphar, and he was the second command under Potiphar, and he just loved Potiphar, and he was serving. Everything that Joseph did was good. But one day Potiphar decided to, to leave and go on a journey and he had this, this, this wife that was promiscuous. And, and the Bible says that Joseph was a, a hot-looking dude. In fact, uh, it says that Potiphar's wife looked on him and wanted him and, and desired him. And every day she would come to him and say, Let's, the, my husband's away, let us play, basically in Pete's paraphrase. And Paul, Joseph, because of his call to serve God and his call to serve his master, said this, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He had a call, number one, to serve God. He had a call to serve others. I think this is the key to sanctification this morning if you're taking notes. Remember your commitment and call to Christ. Remember your commitment and call to Christ. Remember that vow you made at your conversion. Remember that spiritual wedding day when you said yes to Jesus. You made a covenant with God. You made a marriage commitment to God. And Joseph had this call. He remembered that he couldn't be with this promiscuous woman because he wanted to honor God. Because he wanted to please God. We talk about our sanctification. So it's the first that we desire to please God. And he challenges here about how our call is to abound in this faith. Look at verses 1. Finally, brethren, finally then, brethren, we urge you to exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God. There's a walk to please God. He uses the word exhort here. Exhortation or to exhort. It, it means to, to call or summons or a summons to an action. I want Paul to say, I want to exhort you of what it means to please God. I want to challenge you of what it is to honor God today. Exhortation isn't a suggestion, it's almost like a command. This is what I think you need to do. This is what you need to be aware of to, to please God. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy here in the book are exhorting the brothers and sisters in the Lord to walk in holiness and because holiness is key to your maturity. Yeah. That you need to learn to grow more and more in this holiness. You need to grow in your faith. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy, Paul specifically the author, had these two other brothers. Come, and we're going to come alongside you and exhort you and encourage you in this way to please God. 
We know we have to go all the way back to chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians where Paul speaks of the work of their faith and their labor of love and their patience of hope. There were things they were doing that were good. There are things that were good and were honorable. And then chapter 2, Paul, says, remember, we came to you when we visited you. We, we poured ourselves into you. We invested the word in you and our lives into you. And they were present with them, but they had to leave because there was persecution coming on Paul. And so he had to leave Thessalonica because of the Judaizers coming that wanted to kill him. But then he would send Timothy and Silas to go in here and get a report. And he's really, his response to letter, letter here is a response to a report that they had heard about what was going on in Thessalonica. And he says, your report is, is good. Your walk is good. And we, we found that you've been blameless. And so this letter here is really about encouragement, but understanding there were things that were beginning to creep into the church that he, they, he wanted, Paul wanted them to be aware of. Because I think when we deal with the issues we're going to deal with today, they're in the church. Paul is speaking to the church. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the bride. He's speaking to the people of God. Sometimes we're, we're casting all this condemnation on the world. The scriptures aren't to the world. They're to us. He says when he judges, first he's going to judge the household of God first before he judges the world. And so be careful to throw stones when you live in a glass house. Listen, listen, we have to be careful that we're walking in holiness before we can even have the right to speak about how others should live. And so, so when we get into this text here, first of all, it's talking about how we're to walk to please God. First of all, our walk, is, is to, is with, our walk has a testimony. There's a testimony to our walk. Our walk is what people see. How we conduct our lives is the, is the visual application to our faith is our walk. But it has a lot to do with, our walk has a lot to do with our own relationship with God. How are we preoccupied with God? You know, there's, you know the word hedonism, right? That has to do with pleasure. We're to be spiritual hedonists. We're to be spiritual people taking pleasure in God. That, that should be our desire. A desire to, to walk with God, to be preoccupied with God, to be in love with God. That's the first thing that we ought to do to please God is fall in love with him. Fall in a deep relationship, love with God. Think about that old him, right? Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walk close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. The hymn writers had that lyric, let it be, way before the Beatles. <laughs> way before the Beatles. Just let it be, Lord. That longing. Why? Because pleasing God has everything to do with worship. Man, I was listening to you guys this morning. You sounded so beautiful in the singing. That the voice is raised up as you're worshiping God and the love coming, your worship coming as an expression of your love. And it's easy to do that because we have a team that leads us so beautifully. Right? But that worship is to be carried outside these doors. That, that song of life song is to be carried outside these doors as we, we worship God. We worship God first when we please him, when we first put our faith and trust in God. That pleases God because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Hebrews eleven six, Faith is the key to please God. And so the first act of pleasing God is just trusting him and coming to faith and, and putting trust in Christ and putting him first. That's the first act to please God. Not that we're saved. God, God loves us and receives us. We know in Hebrews chapter 11, there was a list of known and unknown Men and women that pleased God, right? 
Abel pleased God with his offering. Enoch pleased God with his walk with God and then was taken. Noah pleased God in building the ark. Abraham pleased God because he believed. Moses pleased God when he gave up his riches and, ple and, and pleasures of sin for the riches of Christ. These are all people that please God. See, if we please God, we will not please men. And if we please men, we will not please God. We're called to please God. I love Paul the Apostle, who wrote many of the letters in the New Testament, wrote this about his newfound faith in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. For, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I will not be a bondservant of Christ. We are not here to please ourselves, but to please him, which is our spiritual act of worship. We're called to please him. And so how do we please him? Here's the second thing, a call to heed his commands. He says this in verse 2, For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. God had given us some commands. They were not suggestions. They were not ideas. They were not good thoughts. There are things that God gave us. He said, these things are important for your lives because these things will keep you safe. These things will keep you healthy. These things will keep you whole. Parents, you know that. You have commands in your home, right? You have rules. There might be commands. You know what I mean? There are things you're, you, if kids are, they have, they have, you know, maybe they go out and they have restrictions or curfew. They have bedtimes. They have things they need to do. They have chores. They have response. Those are all in some ways structures and orders and commands that you as the head of that house, parents as the head of the house, operate. So commands are not bad. And God's given us these commands. He's given us the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. Jesus summed them up in two commandments in the New Testament to love God and to love others. There's still commands that he's given us. God's commands are his word is the authority of our lives. And, 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 it, and these are issues important to our faith. These are, a structure, these are our instruction manual for holiness. The scriptures that we've been given remind us that we've been given everything we need for godliness. And his word is, is us working out our faith. His word is our walking orders. These, are not, these words are not suggestions from a pen pal. There is commands. I want you to understand that. And so think about this. Your success of your sanctification is in comparison to your relationship to Christ and your submission to his word. Let me say that again. Your success of holiness and sanctification is in comparison to your relationship with Christ and your submission to his word. Where are you with God? And what relationship do you have with his word in your life? So, number one, we're called to please God. Here's the second thing, guys. A call to holiness. A call to holiness in 3 through 8. We know in the Bible, the term wolves is used in scriptures. And it's usually not a good thing. Sheep among wolves, right? We're the sheep and wolves are actually evil figures. Could be satanic figures. Enemies of, of God's people. And the scripture speaks of wolves, it gives us warning about wolves and sheep clothings. There are, there are systems of people in place that are wolves. And Paul, in his writing, gives warning to that. In fact, in Alaska, the Eskimos have an interesting way of killing wolves. They, they would take a knife and put animal blood on it, and then they would stick it in the ice with, with the blade up. And the wolves would come and smell the blood and they would begin to lick the blood and they would cut its own tongue and he would lick faster, trying to satisfy his own appetite, not realizing he's drinking his own blood 
and would later be found dead because he's trying to feed his appetite. And in trying to feed his appetite, he was actually killing himself. Today, we live in a sex-driven society. And we are eating ourselves alive today with sex. We can't seem to get enough of it. We can't seem to get enough on TV and cable and Playboy Channel, HBO. We can't seem to get enough in the magazines, Victoria's Secrets or Cosmopolitan. We can't seem to get enough on our social media, our Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and the likes. We can't seem to get enough. And since we can't seem to get enough, we keep licking harder and harder. We find ourselves as a society bound to our appetites which leads to more abortions and children out of wedlock and fighting diseases because we can't get enough. Paul tells us about our unhealthy appetites that is killing us as a culture and as a society. And so what he does, he commands us in verse 3 to be vessels of holiness. Vessels of holiness. Look at verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. He's speaking, okay, look at We want to please God. Now, here's how we please God is our holiness. This is the will of God. That phrase, the will of God, is used three times in scriptures. It's found here. It's found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5.18. We studied that a few weeks ago. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Peter 2.15, for this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of the foolish men. Talk about our proper attitude and proper witness. And now our proper purity. This is the will of God for our lives. Right? His will is that you will be set apart for his purpose. The word sanctification means to be set apart or to declare, to be declared Holy. Paul was set apart for the purpose, and, to, and it pleased God. He was set apart because of, and, and guys, let me tell you something. You have been set apart to please God. Amen. In fact, Paul, again, writing about his new love for God, says this, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace. He's talking about when he came to faith. God chose me. God has chosen you from the foundations of the world. Before you even a thought in your parents' mind, God chose you and he willed you to be holy and wanted you to be that. Now, you have to choose whether you want it. See, that's the thing about America is we get free choice. God chose us, but do we choose him? See, he's already made this holiness available and it's God's will for us that we walk in holiness. Now, he's going to begin to explain what that all really means. Paul's going to get into more of the definition. And he says, you want to be holy? Abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain from sexual immorality, right? In Roman culture, promiscuity was the norm of the society. Like, like today, it, it it's actually was applauded. It was actually lifted up. They had pagan temples that would have sexual prostitutes that they thought you could have sex with these prostitutes in these pagan temples in order to be blessed. And what was happening, a lot of what was happening at that time is many of these, sex, uh, these temple prostitutes were getting saved and coming to church and then they were bringing some of that worship into the church because they didn't know any better. Guys, we'll get people that are unchurched in the church that don't know nothing about church and they're going to bring their mess into the church. That's okay because they got to learn. Right? Because that's all they know. So don't get your feathers up in the uproar when they just don't seem to got their acts together yet. You know what? You got to catch fish before you clean fish. 
okay? Listen now, listen now. We in the church got to be careful. We got to remember that. We got to be a, a place of grace. We're going to get into that a little bit of mourning. But many were coming to faith and walking away from a, a lifestyle, but they were still struggling with their own temptations. They were struggling with their own scars. They were struggling with their own past. Some of you might even be here today saying, man, I'm trying to walk with Jesus, but I came out of some promiscuous life and I'm struggling with that still. I understand grace, but I'm still battling the temptations and the struggles. Guys, that's real. I, I want to underestimate the power of temptation. Temptation is not the sin, though. That's just what the enemy uses. But he knows our, he knows our, our game film us. He knows our failures. He knows our weaknesses. He knows all this. So he's going to attack us in those areas. Right? So be mindful of that. Listen. He says, abstain from sexual immorality. What, what does that mean? Let's define that. It's anything that's outside a marriage covenant relationship between a man and a woman. That's the definition of sexual immorality. Now, I'm going to get into touchy areas here. And, 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 and I, I pray that I, I can do this with grace. I'm going to pray. I know it's going to hold, hold your seat here a little bit, okay? Because I, I don't want you to write me some emails or get mad at me. But in order to... To know, in order to be set free, you have to hear the truth. Okay? In order to be set free, you need to know what the scripture says because the truth will set you free. Let me talk a little about living together in the common practice today among believers in the church. Living together. It's in the church. And people give a lot of reasons why we're called to live together. But the Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. Okay? You, we, we have a testimony. We have a walk. What if, what's one thing to say one thing and another thing to do something else? There, there's a holy walk. There's, there, we can't even give anybody any weapon to say, well, I thought you were a believer, but you're, you're in that mess. Wait a minute. That, that doesn't align with you being a worshiper of Jesus. Listen, I want to challenge you this morning about your desire. Because do we have a desire for God or do we have a desire for our own pleasures? And what has more power in us? Because our desire for pleasure will actually walk us and teach to walk away from the desire of God and, and put us into some judgment issues here. And so what's happening here is that the aspect of, of living together in our, in our culture, in fact, it says, Romans says, don't make any provision, provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust. Romans 13, 14. I've talked with people and they said, well, we're living because it's a money thing. No, that's a faith thing. That's a trust God thing. Well, there's other, and they give me all these excuses, right, of why they need to be in this relationship and living together. But what's the testimony? What's the testimony you're giving to the people that are living and watching you? What's the testimony? You know, I, I, I'm not trying to, what I'm trying to do is stir you up to faith issues. I'm trying to stir you up to what it means to trust God and walk with God. God has already met in everything we need. He, he'll bring provisions. He'll talk about that in a moment, about provisions when we walk in holiness. He'll meet that. And I want to challenge you with that. Sexuality is a big issue in our culture today. It's, it's a hot topic. You can, it's podcasts and YouTubes and everything's out there has their different view about sexuality. And we've tried to redefine, redefine sexuality and we try to redefine identity. And we've learned that we blurred the lines a little bit and we've opened up some Pandora boxes about it. Guys, I know there's been some tension between the church and the LGBTQ community, okay? Man, and I'm troubled because I don't think the church has handled that well. I don't think we've handled it well. 
We've gone through the, we've gone through the throat. We've gone through these things instead of, okay, God, I know if you're struggling here today with same-sex attraction or you're struggling today within that situation, first I want you to tell you that New Vision is a safe place. Yeah. I'm going to tell you it's okay for you to be here. I want to tell you that I'm trusting the gospel is being played out in your life right now. And you're being renewed day by day. I don't know. Because listen, we so easily jump on the gay thing. We forget about our own sexual immoral practices that we do in our own life. Okay. And we, we say this is more better than this. Or this is more sinful than this. We have to be careful of that. He's defined sexual immorality already. Right? But I, I can't behoove the fact that I believe that marriage is still between a man and a woman. And I have to be true to the gospel and, and true what the scripture says. But I don't think it's, it's really about whether you're straight or gay involved in sexual immorality. It's really about where's your desire? Where's your identity? What do you, I think it's about intimacy. People don't want to be alone. They want to be intimate with somebody. God gave an answer to those issues of intimacy to be intimate with him. We're his bride. He's our groom. We're to be of one, the oneness of God. And I think that's the, the tension that we, we battle here. And, and we made it a, 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 a kind of a war between cultures here. We made it a, a battle. We made it a thing. I was, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with my wife about a man who was a gay, atheist gay activist who came to the faith. And he talked about the culture war. He talked about his mom who came to faith. And she said, you got to either choose, choose a, a religion that there's not even true and me. Who do you choose? You choose me or you choose your church. Who are you going to? And she was trying to divide. He was trying to divide his relationship with mom. And his mom said, I can't choose. Because I know when I love God, I'll love you better. Yeah. See, see, you have to understand that we have to be careful that... Guys, God is the one who changes the heart of people. God is the one who's still working. The gospel is being renewed day by day. He's doing a work in you as much as he's doing a work in everybody else. And I got to trust God is going to be faithful to the work he's doing by his spirit. As we relate to some of these issues. And so what is Paul doing in his writing? He's commanding followers of Jesus to abstain, to refrain, to depart from fornication. What is fornication? Fornication is sex outside the marriage relationship. Adultery is sex with another partner that's not your own. Those are the two definitions, right? God created sex. God created sex. And he had purpose for it. And, and number one, was the, one of the purposes was for procreation, to have, to have children, right? He told Adam and Eve to what? He commanded to be fruitful and multiply. So one was for procreation. Other was pleasure in the marriage relationship. The bed is undefiled. It's a good place. But let me tell you something. I think some of us are so, young people, I want you to hear this. We're so enamored that we got to be married. We got, my life will be complete if I get married. I'll be made whole if I get married. Uh, if I just could just get married, everything would be so much better. Let me bust that bubble a little bit. It actually gets harder. 
Paul even writes about singleness and says what? It's better that you don't get married and do the work of the Lord than get married because if you get married, you're going to be distracted by your wife, you're going to be distracted by your family, distracted by your husband. You're so busy about your family, you forgot the work of the Lord. And so I just want to remind you, be careful. You think it's better on the other side. It's more work on the other side. Now, I'm not saying that he doesn't. He doesn't bless marriage. He does. He speaks about that in Scripture. But sometimes we could even idolize those very things. We have to be careful of, of that. But what Jesus is doing here when he talks about fornication and sexual immorality, he really, Jesus really gets to the heart of the matter, doesn't he? He says that even if you lust upon a woman, you've already committed adultery. He didn't say even you sleep with her. He even said even if you lust. Let me get to the heart of the issue he's saying. He said, even if you have anger towards your brothers, as if you already committed murder. See, Jesus, I want to get to the heart and your desire of what's going on with you. Because if I could change that heart desire and turn it to another place, let me tell you something. You're going to be healthier. That's why Jesus said, love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as myself. He says, I got to get the heart of the man. Parents, when you want to shepherd your family and, and raise your kids, your key is to get the heart of your kid. Not the behavior... The church is not a behavior modification program. Talk about it. It, that's, that's called legalism. Yeah. I'm not here to make you be better people. Mm. You know, I know there's a book out there, Be a Better Me. That's not, what the, that's not what the Bible does. It's not making Peter better me. I'm a fallen, broken, depraved guy that was saved by the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And only by his spirit did he transform me. And we have to understand where we came from and understand the atonement and the sacrifice here. But we understand that there's a lot of temptations out there. Men, be careful what we watch. Be careful what we put before our eyes. God, we live in a sex-filled, saturated world. One of the biggest things is the issue of pornography. 4.2 billion, million Pornographic websites out there, $97 billion industry worldwide. 70% of men in the church struggle with porn. 30% of women struggle with porn. 38% of adults believe there's nothing wrong with pornography. Paul wrote, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Romans 8.8. 8. Peter wrote, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Guys, when we get ourselves and connected with these things, guys, there's a battle that goes in our soul. It actually drives us out. It actually kills us. It's warfare. It dries us up. It takes life out, sucks life out of us. How do we overcome these things? Job, in the book of Job, gives us one way. He wrote, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Lord, what am I watching? Got to guard that, number one. I got to guard where I put my, my eyes and give my attention to. Number two, I think you have to admit if there's an issue. If there's an issue, God, I just got to come clean. Man, I'm struggling. I'm battling with these things. And then you have to have some place that you can go and get some accountability for that. Seek somebody else say, man, I'm struggling in these areas. And, and it, may not, it may not just be pornography. It could be greed. It could be hatred. It could be glutton. It could be whatever. You put the list in there. The prophets get seven deadly sins. Just read those and figure out where you fall into that. <laughs> Listen, for those struggling with the, maybe some of that sexual addiction, we have an FM, FMO ministry here. 
for men only ministry. If you want to, we'll let you know more about that. They meet for guys struggling with that. Guys, we're not going to shy away from those issues, man. We love you enough to say we've got help for you if there's a place that you need to go on that. So we want to hear, we also, you know, what he's challenged us here uh, this morning that we want to be uh, vessels of holiness, but we also want to be vessels of honor. Look at 4 and 5. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passions of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Did you get that? Come on, I want you. I hope you saw that here. For each of you should know how to possess, how to, how to rule your, your vessel in sanctification and honor, how to live in holiness and honor. Not in the passions, not in the things that come up in us, like the Gentiles, what who do not know God. So I think that's a key. That's a very important key there. A lot of people live the way they live outside the churches because they just don't know who God is. They just don't know who the love, what the love of God is and, and what it means. But he challenged us, if we want to please God and, and we want to be vessels of honor, we have to understand these bodies are not our own. They're owned by God. This is the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not of your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, I glorify your God in the body and in your spirit, which are God's. That your vessels, your, your pitchers, your containers, which the Holy Spirit lives in, right? And the Bible says broken at that. But I, I like broken vessels. You know Why? Because if the light of Christ is in me and I'm broken, you'll see the light in my life. See, I don't need to put on a clean vessel. I'm a broken vessel. And I can walk in a way that can say, man, I'm struggling with this area. I'm struggling in this area. There's more power in admitting our weaknesses for when I'm weak, he's made strong. There's more power walking in our weakness and our brokenness than God says, what? The enemy cannot have a stronghold because strongholds come in our secrecy, not in our vulnerability. And so what happens is if I can share my brokenness and not be prideful and arrogant and think that people are going to see lesser of me or weaker of me or any of those things, guys, you will not get the healing that you need. You will not get the healing you need if we walk in that. Because the enemy says, I want to put you in shame. I want to put you in condemnation. When Adam when Eve sinned in the garden, they saw their nakedness. They hid from God. Right? And when we get in our mess, what do we do? Oh, I can't go to church. I can't tell him, but I got to run. But the thing about God, he's so gracious, is he sighed after us. <laughs> Amen. Adam, where art thou? Not that God didn't know where Adam was. But he was just calling Adam out in those very things. See, our bodies are used to, to glorify God this morning. We're to present our bodies as righteousness for holiness, right? And so we're not to live like people who don't know God. The problem is that when we see what's going out here in the streets and things that are happening and all that's going on, it's just people that don't understand the love and grace and mercy of God. And that's why we as God's people are the instruments and the vessels to express God's love to them so they can know the trueness and wholeness of all that's going on. But we could become vessels of dishonor. Look at 6 and 8. That no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. And so we forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects us does not reject man, but God who has given us his Holy Spirit. First of all, in verse 6, it's really about our covetousness of what we desire, right? How we defraud, what we want. The, the sin of adultery is really the sin of covetousness. It's one of the 
Ten Commandments, not covet that mother's wife, right? It's about self. Even in the scripture, Paul writes to Timothy saying, be careful of men who pray and defraud weak-willed women by taking them and living with them and living off of them. You know what Paul calls them? He calls them, be careful of those worms that make their way into women's homes. Guys, if you're here today and you're praying off women and you're living with women and you're trying to live off of her whatever and you're not doing jack, be careful where you at. Because he speaks about that in the scriptures. He speaks about that in the scriptures. Taking advantage of that and praying and being parasites. Right? We know that Exodus gives us these commandments to follow. Do not commit a draw. Do not cover your neighbor's wife. King David coveted another man's wife. And he committed adultery. He defrauded the, his friend Uriah and then would later have him killed. Now, in the Old Testament, if somebody did that, the consequences was death. We don't have that consequences today. We just separate our belongings and we divide it when we get a divorce and but let me tell you something. Let me tell you what happens with adultery and immorality and that. It will kill marriage relationships. It will kill kids' relationships. It will kill friendships. And it will destroy your health. It's going to kill something. It's going to kill something, right? And God will judge the immorality. He says it in the scriptures here. He will not let you get away with it. If you got caught, man, thank Jesus you got busted. Because God can get healing. He can get healing that you need. You can get those things here. He's giving a warning that he's, God is the avenger of the sin. Man, this last week, Julie and I and Mike McCabe went down to Ensenada to visit a ministry. And this ministry was with this family down there who have these, bought these lands and built these four houses from the ground up. And they take in young ladies that were trafficking and sex trafficking. He had 20 girls between the ages of 10 and 18. And he was just telling me the stories, literally pulling them off the streets, working with social services, and in his life being threatened by the pimps and, and all the things that were going on over the last 13 years that he could literally be, if they make false accusations, could be thrown in jail because in Mexico, you're guilty until fallen to, to proven innocence. Yeah. And he talks about the risk of all that. His heart is to build another house right next to where his other houses are for pregnant teenage women between the ages of 9 and 10 and 12. Pregnant girls. Guys, we live in a depraved society that this is the biggest money-making business in the world. Trafficking. I'm only reminded of the words of Jesus. When speaking about one who stumbles, the little one says this, but whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better off if the millstone were hung around his neck and it was thrown in the depths of the sea. It's a depths. There's judgment. There's judgment on that. But he's called us to consecration in verse 7, right? Call means he selected us to holiness. He who has called you is holy. You also be holy for your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. You have been given a divine 
nature. God has given you everything you need for holiness. He's called you to a higher standard of living. Living righteously is called living in obedience to him. He's raised the bar. Guys, he's raised the bar in our living. We got to meet that bar. But he's given us the power to do it. He's not asking us to do it on our own. He's given us the means to do it on our own. And so he's commanded us to do that. How do we do that? I just want you to take a note. I want you to read this when you go home. Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 10. I just want you, that's your little homework when you go home. Because I want you to tell us how we need to, number one, we need to be heavily minded. And not earthly minded, right? Because our life was hidden in Christ. We see that in Colossians 1 through 3. We got to think differently. Renewing of our mind to change our diet. We got to think of how we live. We need to put to death and put off these sin natures that look around, that lurk around us, right? We got to put off fornication and lust and evil desires, greed, anger, slander, cursing. This is how you used to live. Put off means I choose to, to put these things off. I choose to, to, to sit down. Just like you chose to put clothes on, spiritually there's things you've got to choose to put off. But then he says there's things you need to put on. And here in verses 10 it says, but put on the new man, the new creation, the new nature, and be renewed because you are a renewed person. And you're called to be more like him. But Paul understands that even in his writings, there are people that are going to reject his truth. We see that in verse 8, right? And when you reject his commands, you reject him. You have to understand that his commands are not burdensome. It's, God's commands is not trying to put heaviness on you. Not trying to put a yoke of heaviness on you. He's not trying to do that. He's not. We know there's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. We know that. Just read Galatians chapter 5. It gets into all that. Right? We know there's a battle. And there's a battle in the spirit. So the question I ask you this then. Who will win the battle between the spirit and the flesh? The one you feed the most. The one you feed the most will be the one that wins. Feed the spirit. And as I close this morning, a call to love one another. Because we dealt with sexual immorality a little bit. He says, let's, let's go a little broader. How do we treat each other? How do we love one another? You know, I, I love watching Disney's movie. My kids watch Disney movie and on the Disney channel, we have access to all the famous what? Disney movies, right? And one of those movies is what? Beauty and the Beast. It's really a story of a man who was cursed and changed into a beast. He was a terrible man with a frightful voice and a, a temper problem if you watch the movie. He was isolated and and, and lived in a rundown castle filled with darkness. But when, there, but when beauty appeared, but when there's beauty, full of love and joy, many of you know the story. What the beast really needed was someone patiently to love him. And the love of Baal transformed the beast. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people inside and outside the church that are like the beast. They have ugly personalities and attitudes, and sometimes ugliness can even manifest in the church. But what these individuals need is someone, someone beautiful, some, some beauty to come into their lives. We're called to be loving to those who are loving. We're called to be loving to those who are unloving. I know the Beatles sang a song, All You Need Is Love, but then they broke up. <laughs> but the love we're speaking about is brotherly love, godly love that comes from above that will make a world 
of difference. So what does Paul do as we close? Number one, he affirms the love. Guys, you want to overcome, you want to please God? Walk in love, right? But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. Man, you guys got this. New Vision, you guys got this. For, your, for yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, if you do so toward all brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. The believer's love should grow more and more. It should be overflowing. Church of Thessalonica, man, you've done this well. You've loved well. You've kept up the good work. You've expanded love. My exhortation to new vision is love well. Love well. Go out of your way. Abound in this. Grow in this. In fact, the, the word brotherly love is the Greek word Philadelphia, where you get the city of brotherly love. It's the same word. Paul challenges us in Romans, love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And the love will be a testimony for those outside of the faith. Our love should be a testimony to those outside of the faith. I close, that you also inspire to lead a quiet life to mind your own business, to work with your own hands as we command you, that you may walk properly toward those are outside, that you may lack nothing. First, we walk in purity of life. We are responsible believers, right? We live orderly and peaceful lives. It, it uses the word inspire here, aspire. Guys, what's the goal of your family? What's the goal of your marriage? What do you aspire to in your relationships to grow and to develop? What's the vision? Your, your family shouldn't be a life of drama. Come on. You shouldn't be in the crazy cycle of life and always something going on in your house because that's not peaceable. Your home should be a refuge, not a war zone. Life of contentment and satisfaction. Sister's saying when you status, you're satisfying. We're not to be busy bodies, right? Come on. Getting in everybody else's business, getting up in everybody else's business and then slandering it. Come be on. careful of your prayers. You know what? Your spiritual prayers. Jesus, I'm glad I'm not like so-and-so. They're out there partying at the da-da-da-da-da-da. You let everybody know everybody else's business in your prayer. Woo, come on. Be careful of that. Okay? Yes, we want to be in your business. If you invite us in your business for accountability, that's important. Community is important. But I'm not trying to get up on people's business. Guys, I'm not taking the role of the Holy Spirit. I'm not being spiritual policeman with your lives. God, God's got that. And God wants to bring out the big belt because he disciplines those he loves. He'll bring out the big belt. And he'll do what he needs to do. I trust God to do that because he's a loving father. He's a loving father to discipline his children when need be. All right? But when we walk in holiness and we walk as people that please God, he will be the provider. He says, work with your hands, right? Work hard. Guys, if you don't work, you don't eat. I'm sorry. That's how it is. Don't be a freeloader. Get dirty a little bit. And why? Because we represent the gospel with our lives by how we live. Bear good witness to those around you in your speech and in your conduct, in your relationships and your work dealings. And the promise of walking 
in holiness and sanctification. He just says, if you do these things, I will take care of you. I will take care of your provisions. I will bless you when you walk in holiness. So let me close with these three things, and I'll go a little long here. Number one, disciples have a call to please God. The disciples have a call to please God. So here's the question. What era in your walk can you praise God for? What has God done in you that you please? Man, God, I thank you that I've just, you've allowed me to do this. What can you praise God for in your walk? Second thing, disciples have a call to holiness. What is one area that you have struggled with that you need to commit to God? What is that area of holiness that, man, I'm really falling short of here, God. I, I, I got to pay more attention to this and, and offer it up. Or maybe I need to go talk to somebody. Or maybe I need to go. What is that area that you need to look at? Here's the third thing. Disciples have a call to love others. Who is it that one person that you can express God's love to this week? Do something special. Pay it forward at whatever coffee shop or go buy something for somebody or drop off a burger for somebody's homeless or whatever. Without just the spur of the moment. Whatever. How can you express your love to somebody this week? Because that all pleases God. It's part of our sanctification. It's part of our holiness. It's part of what God's called us to be. Amen. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you. As the worship team comes up this morning, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your love and your blessings and all you're doing. And, Lord, I ask your hand upon your people uh, this morning, Lord, that you, God, would be honored in our lives. That Our lives have been set apart. They've been sanctified for a call and a purpose to be holy. That people look at our lives and be drawn to you because you've made us holy. Not because we're holy, but you made us holy. And so we thank you and we praise you. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.